Good evening. It's six o'clock, and you are tuned to KVMR FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's time for the KVMR Evening News. My name is Claudio Mendonça. Joyce Miller returns on Monday. Tonight, after National Public Radio headlines, the California Report covers the landmark state Supreme Court ruling that bars trial court judges from setting bail higher than defendants can afford to pay. Then, after regional news and weather, Al Stoller explains why the weather has been so dry recently. We'll close with a conversation between KVMR's Felton Pruitt and Amber Joe Manuel, Executive Director of the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley, about the upcoming World Fest Day, a reduced capacity event taking place on July 17th. For their generous support, KVMR thanks A to Z Hardware Supply and Garden Center, locally owned since 1984, offering household construction essentials plus April's Garden, a memorial lawn and garden nursery for all seasons with beekeeping and canning supplies, and Dr. Allison McCormick and Auburn Dermatology Center, offering an expanded practice and a remodeled facility with openings available to new and existing patients. Located on Professional Drive off Bell Road in Auburn. More information at auburndermatologycenter.com. Here are tonight's National Public Radio headlines. Live from NPR News, I'm Jack Spear. President Joe Biden is joining a chorus of Democratic and voting rights activists protesting Georgia's new voting law. Georgia's Republican Governor Brian Kemp is responding from member station WABE in Atlanta. Emma Hurt reports. President Biden didn't mince words about his position. The atrocity, the idea, if you want any indication that it has nothing to do with fairness, nothing to do with decency, they pass a law saying you can't provide water for people standing in line while they're waiting to vote. The law bans handing out food or drink to voters in line at a polling place. However, it does allow for self-service water stations to be set up. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp responded, accusing Biden of not reading the bill. Kemp and the Republicans who wrote it argue the law streamlines vote counting and expands voting access by extending weekend early voting requirements. For NPR News, I'm Emma Hurt in Atlanta. Biden is inviting Chinese leader Xi Jinping and Russian President Vladimir Putin to the first major climate change talks of his administration. The U.S. hoping to use the event to help shape, speed up, and deepen global efforts aimed at curbing fossil fuel emissions, which have been linked to climate change. The president is seeking to revive a U.S.-convened form of the major global economies on climate that both former presidents George W. Bush and Barack Obama used. The event will be held next month. The Justice Department says it has charged nearly 500 people so far with fraud and other schemes tied to the coronavirus pandemic. As NPR's Ryan Lucas explains, the department has made fighting such crimes a priority over the past year. The COVID-19 pandemic has created a rich environment for fraudsters. One particularly enticing target has been the hundreds of billions of dollars the government doled out as part of the CARES Act, passed a year ago this week. The Justice Department says that over the past year, it has charged 474 people with fraud and other crimes connected to the pandemic. That includes attempts to defraud the Paycheck Protection Program, as well as other loan programs and unemployment benefits that were created by the CARES Act. The government says the amount of money fraudsters tried to steal in the cases charged so far 
is around $570 million. Attorney General Merrick Garland says the department remains committed to protecting the public from those who would use the health crisis to illegally enrich themselves. Ryan Lucas, NPR News, Washington. A coalition of non-government organizations is calling on the U.S. to develop plans on how to handle an expected surplus of hundreds of millions of COVID-19 shots once everyone in the U.S. who wants one has gotten it. The group of NGOs calling on the Biden administration to commit to sharing excess vaccine doses through the World Health Organization-backed COVID-19 Vaccines Global Access Facility, or COVAX. Stocks gained ground to close out the week. The Dow was up 453 points. The Nasdaq rose 161 points today. This is NPR. Writer Larry McMurtry was a prolific screenwriter and novelist. His novels included The Last Picture Show and Lonesome Dove. He also adopted the screenplay for Brokeback Mountain for film. NPR's Andrew Limbong reports McMurtry died Thursday. He was 84 years old. Larry McMurtry de-romanticized the American West. Though his grandfather broke horses and his father raised cattle, to McMurtry, the mythology of the cowboy rang empty, he told NPR in 2014. To me, it was hollow, and I think it was hollow for my father. McMurtry was born and raised in Texas. His first book, 1961's Horsemen Pass By, was about a young cattle rancher coming to terms with modern society. It was turned into a movie, as were his novels The Last Picture Show, Terms of Endearment, Texasville. Producer Diana Asana approached him to help adapt Annie Prue's short story, Brokeback Mountain, which earned them an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay. In their acceptance speech, Larry McMurtry thanked booksellers. Andrew Limbong, NPR News. Those bright-looking objects in the sky in the Pacific Northwest last night weren't stars, but rather pieces of burning debris from a rocket. The National Weather Service confirming today the widely reported objects were debris from the second stage of a Falcon 9 rocket that did not successfully re-enter the atmosphere. There were no reports of any impacts on the ground. The rocket delivered satellites that were put in orbit earlier this week by SpaceX. The company says the Falcon 9's first stage returned to Earth and landed as planned on an ocean-going barge off the coast of Florida. Crude oil futures prices closed higher today. Oil up $2.41 a barrel to settle at $60.97 a barrel. I'm Jack Spear, NPR News. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. A new study shows that California's rules to crack down on diesel pollution from vehicles like trucks and heavy equipment are having a real-world positive effect. The study, published by the journal Science, found that over a 24-year period, California cut diesel pollution by 78%, despite an increase in diesel fuel use. Diesel exhaust can be nasty to human health, causing heart and lung problems, and there are to cancer cases. The researchers say the state's diesel rules prevented hundreds of early deaths in the state. And in legal news, defendants in California can no longer be held in jail simply because they can't afford to post bail. That after a landmark state Supreme Court ruling yesterday. It's being celebrated by criminal justice reformers who argue cash bail is inherently unfair. But as KQED's Alex Emsley reports, the ruling doesn't abolish cash bail's use. Instead, trial court judges are now barred from setting bail higher than defendants can afford to pay. 
and unless a defendant poses a clear and convincing chance of skipping court or reoffending, judges must consider alternatives to pretrial detention such as ankle monitors. I'm over the moon. State Senator Robert Hertzberg's efforts to abolish cash bail were overturned in a referendum last election. He hailed the Supreme Court's ruling. It doesn't end money bail, but it ends the injustice of money bail. Hertzberg noted that California's median bail is five times that of the rest of the country. He has a new bill in the state Senate that would set bail at zero for most low-level offenses. University of San Francisco law professor Laura Bazelon says bail often disproportionately harms the poor and people of color. Those are the people generally who are not able to be released, not able to fight their case, not able to pay their rent, whose families spiral into a circle of poverty. And that system that we've had for so long is not only racist, it's a driver of mass incarceration. A spokesperson for the California Bail Agents Association said the ruling was long anticipated and fair. For the California Report, I'm Alex Emsley. A handful of journalists were among those taken into custody following a second night of protests over the closure of a homeless encampment at Echo Lake Park in Los Angeles. The LAPD declared an unlawful assembly last night, claiming demonstrators were shining strobe lights in the eyes of officers. It's unclear how many people were detained after the group failed to disperse, but several reporters were taken into custody, despite identifying themselves as journalists. All were later released. L.A. City Councilman Mitchell Farrell, who has been criticized for not being more open about the closure of the encampment, called for calm and cooperation. But two of his colleagues spoke out against the arrests. Councilman Mike Bonin called it a disgrace and a shameful day for Los Angeles. Fellow Councilman Kevin DeLeon called it a violation of the First Amendment and says the LAPD needs to change its policies on dealing with journalists. Also in Los Angeles, hundreds of women who claim they were sexually abused by a longtime former USC campus gynecologist have settled with the university for $852 million. That's the largest settlement of its type ever reached with a university. The deal covers more than 700 plaintiffs who claim George Tyndall abused them, dating as far back as the 1980s. Tyndall has denied any wrongdoing, and USC has repeatedly denied allegations of a cover-up. Including previous settlements, the school is paying out more than $1.1 billion to settle lawsuits related to Tyndall. In the tech world, at a House hearing yesterday, the chief executives of Facebook, Twitter, and Google defended their mixed efforts to protect users from toxic content. More now from Rachel Myro, senior editor of KQED's Silicon Valley News Desk. It's become a regular form of political theater in Washington, D.C. Lawmakers grilled Silicon Valley's most prominent tech execs for hours about a growing laundry list of examples where content moderation failed. There's the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol promoted online, COVID-19 misinformation and disinformation, mass shootings inspired by hate speech, all this despite substantial investment in identifying and labeling or deleting posts, detailed here by Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. We invest billions of dollars in in our integrity programs, including having more than 1,000 engineers working on this and 35,000 people doing content review across the company. The numbers are jaw-dropping, but so are the real-world failures. Increasingly, industry analysts say social media giants face litigation, legislation, and regulation in the coming year, here in the U.S. and across the globe. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro in Menlo Park. 
Support for the California Report comes from California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about health care. On the web at chcf.org voices. The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2022 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone everywhere. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine. Producer Amanda Font introduces us to a man who built his career helping professional athletes recover from injuries. Now he's bringing that expertise to people battling COVID symptoms. Murphy Shields' clients include some of the Bay Area's biggest sports stars, 49er Hall of Famer Jerry Rice. Derek Dees, Chester Sapolo, a lot of the offense and defensive players. Plus, Giants players like Barry Bonds and Willie McCovey. But when the pandemic hit, Shields pivoted. Bring your arm down. And when you bring your arm down, you want to deep breathe with it. Ready? Joni Gerardo is one of those clients. It's like there's a band around your chest and it's just sucking in your lungs. She's a preschool teacher who contracted COVID back in December. Gerardo started training with Shields on day six of her illness. She says working with him has made a big difference. And he's just a a kind, caring human being. Shields says he's glad he can use his skills to help people fight back against COVID. The greatest success in the world is being in a position to help someone else. For the California Report, I'm Amanda Font. And you can hear more about Harvey Shields on this week's California Report magazine, on public radio stations, or subscribe to their podcast. And that's the California Report for Friday, March 26th, a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, Brendan Willard, and Jim Bennett, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Holly J. McDeed, and Keith Mizuguchi. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great weekend. On Saturday, March 20th, 550 people were vaccinated against COVID-19 at the Whispering Pines Clinic in Grass Valley. The event, organized by the Nevada County Public Health Department, was public health's largest clinic to date. The clinic was staffed by 50 individuals, including Public Health Officer Dr. Scott Kellerman, Deputy Public Health Officer Dr. Glenna Trochet, and additional doctors, nurses, and healthcare providers. Normally during Whispering Plans Clinic, we immunize 200 to 250 to 300 people a day, but today's a mass immunization clinic, 550 people, people arriving with reservations. And you can see them going into the building, but they come out with nothing but you can see smiles on their face, except for masks, of course. But people are overjoyed and their hearts are open because their lives will be changed. One thing I encourage people to do, yeah, it's a good idea to get it for yourself. But Pope Francis has said that it's an act of charity, charity to your neighbors, charity to your loved ones, charity to your friends, that if you get immunized, you will not be able to transmit uh, this virus. So we encourage you to participate in acts of charity in this community. Statewide, starting April 1st, everyone 50 years old and older will be eligible to make an appointment for a COVID-19 vaccine. Then, beginning April 15th, Everyone 16 years old and older will be eligible for an appointment as well. 
you can check your eligibility status and make an appointment at myturn.ca.gov. The State Water Resources Control Board released a statement today that says that the city of Colfax has agreed to pay a nearly $50,000 fine to settle a case from July 2019 when a cracked PVC pipe sent around 119,000 gallons of sewage over six days into a creek that flows to the North Fork of the American River. The spill was caused by a failure in a buried PVC pipe downstream of a sewage lift station. Spilled sewage seeped through the soil and into a roadside drainage which flows to Bunch Creek and ultimately to the North Fork of the American River. Under the terms of the settlement, more than $35,000 of the fine will go towards reducing the likelihood of future spills by offsetting some of the costs of a project to improve maintenance and monitoring of the collection system, as well as extend the operational life of the force main involved in the spill. The city will pay the remaining amount to the State Water Pollution Cleanup Abatement Account. Quote, this was an unanticipated failure in the collection system that resulted in this large sewage discharge, said John J. Baum, Assistant Executive Officer for the Central Valley Regional Water Quality Control Board. Our primary interest is to prevent future sewage spills, which is why we are allowing the city of Colfax, a small community with financial hardships, to use most of the penalty to upgrade their collection system, end quote. And now for the weather... In Nevada City and Grass Valley, tonight, clear, with a low around 41. Saturday, sunny, with a high near 69. Sunday will also be sunny, with a high near 71. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, clear, with a low around 24. Saturday, sunny, with a high near 58. And Sunday, sunny again, with a high near 58. And in Woodland and Sacramento, tonight clear with a low around 43. Saturday, sunny with a high near 77. And on Sunday, beautiful, sunny with a high near 80 degrees. As dry and sunny conditions persist throughout our entire listening area, Al Stoller explains how the rising and falling of air affects rainfall. What goes up must come down. Warm air rises. Head down to the tropics and a lot of warm air rises. North and south of the equator, a lot of warm air goes up. With all that tropical air heading upward, that makes for a lot of air that must come down. Just where it comes down can be the same place year after year. Or its landing site can change one year to the next, one season, one month, one week to the next. And that adds into the equation that determines whether Northern California gets a wet miracle march or a dry, droughty spring. When you're walking in the mountains, the higher you climb, the colder it gets. As air rises in the tropics, it cools down. The air we breathe out is gaseous. It's gas. When we blow into a freezer, most of our breath remains gaseous. But for the water vapor. Drop the temperature of water vapor and it does not remain a gas. Water vapor condenses into tiny liquid droplets. Blow into a freezer and your breath becomes a miniature cloud. 
a cloud of tiny water droplets. As moist tropical air rises, it grows cold, and the water vapor condenses to form clouds. You've noticed, I'm sure, just how tiny cloud droplets really are when you're out in a fog. Fog is simply a cloud that's touching the ground. And those fog droplets, cloud droplets, are tiny. Clump together a million or so of those cloud droplets and you get one raindrop. From the clouds that form over the tropics, rain falls, watering the tropical rainforests. So, rising air cools and forms clouds. We can do the same trick backwards. Sinking air, air coming back down, grows warmer. Sinking air destroys clouds, evaporates cloud droplets. Sinking air is warm and dry. There are parts of the world where air that rose over the tropics can be relied upon to come back down. The Sahara Desert in Africa, the Chihuahua Desert in southern parts of New Mexico, northern parts of old Mexico. Over the past several weeks, we in Northern California have been blessed by a series of low pressure systems, systems of rising air, air that cools as it rises, forming clouds, dropping rain, dropping snow. But as over the deserts, when air instead sinks down over us, it grows warmer and dries things out. And now there's a high pressure system forming offshore over the Pacific. We're on the edge of this high pressure system of sinking air. This mound of air, this ridge in the atmosphere, has shown a tendency in the past to stick around, leading it to be dubbed the ridiculously resilient ridge, the triple R. Yesterday, Thursday, there was enough upward motion in the air to form lots of clouds, even enough upward motion to allow those clouds to release a 30-second sprinkle. Now we've got to hope that the forces in the atmosphere, including La Nina in the equatorial Pacific, including that warm blob that mysteriously seems to come and go, that these forces will conspire to find a new place for that air that's now coming down just offshore, for that air to come down, or at least move more to the west, move the triple R farther offshore, and then allow weather systems to drop down into California from the Gulf of Alaska. Have a real good weekend, everybody. For KBMR, I'm Al Stoller. Next, Felton Pruitt talks with Amber Jo Manuel, Executive Director of the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley, about an upcoming World Fest Day. We're talking with Amber Jo Manuel from the Center for the Arts, who are also the promoters of World Fest, which, unfortunately, Amber Jo, we didn't get World Fest in 2020. What's the situation in 2021? In 2021, we have canceled the four-day full festival because we knew that thousands of attendees were not going to be able to gather in July. And it's very hard to plan a festival for 5,000 people. That takes almost a whole year of planning in itself. So what we did want to do is provide some arts programming to all of those wonderful people that are holding on to their 2020 tickets. And now we're asking them, hold on to those tickets till 2022. So we said that we would throw in World Fest Day, which would be free to our ticket holders. And then also anybody else who wanted to join in the fun could purchase a ticket. And we are securing a venue. And of course, with current state guidelines, it would be a reduced capacity event. 
So it's the kind of thing, if you're going to want to go to World Fest Day, you want to get your ticket right away. So what date are you looking at? July 17th. Usually it would be at the Nevada County Fairgrounds, but maybe not this time. It would be. We are working on what is possible. Uh, considering our guidelines, it's a very reduced capacity. So we're working on a couple of different venues that we can afford with those capacity restrictions and also that would make sense for World Fest. So we'll get back to you on a venue very soon, I'm hoping. And, you know, we're just excited to be able to present something this summer. I think we were so thrilled in March when they came out with some guidelines for outdoor concerts. So we're so happy to at least be able to provide Nevada County some music this summer. We're certainly looking forward to it. I know that the Giants are going to have people in the stands when they do opening day in April. So Hopefully by July, maybe things will have loosened up more and maybe we're even in the green category or whatever by then. Yeah, who knows? But we we really think that World Fest Day is going to be so important because we know that our world is changing and it is so important to provide arts programming. I think it provides healing for everybody and I think we really need it. So we need to be able to go out on the grass and gather and see each other. So I'm looking forward to doing that this summer. Let me ask you two questions now. First, obviously, you had a lineup for 2020 of artists from all over the world. How many of them are going to be returning for 2022? So that's a great question. Booking World Fest isn't just artists that are maybe from Nevada or L.A. We book artists from the Congo, from Korea, from all over the world. So what we've been doing is reaching out to our artists that we're supposed to play in 2020. And some of them still don't know. The vaccine rollouts in some of these countries isn't as fast as it is happening right here, right now. So they're unsure if even in 2022, they might be able to come. So right now we're trying to get as many confirmations as possible. We still have a lot of question marks, especially from those that are coming from other countries. So what kind of acts can we expect to see in the 2021 World Fest One Day Festival? Well, we are hoping to have a day of three world acts. So it'll be a full day of programming and we hope to have a few children's programs. And in addition to what you get to see live on the stage for World Fest Day, we are also going to accompany it with some virtual programming. So some of our artists that really want to be with us, but they can't travel from Canada or from wherever they might be in the world, they're going to send us some um, virtual performances that we can share with you as well. So we'll have an option for you to buy a virtual ticket so you can just watch from home or you could attend World Fest Day in person. It's going to be a wild ride this summer because you can imagine that we're so eager to book artists and artists are eager to get out on the road, but they really can't get out on the road unless they have several places lined up to kind of form a tour. So there are some artists that are like, yeah, I can go this summer. And then there's some that are like, you know, I really don't have it together. I can't go until 2022. So we're trying to locate some great programming for you. And it's going to take us a little bit of time, but we hope to announce some stuff to you soon. If folks want some more information about World Fest 2021 or anything else, uh, how do they get in touch with you? Centerforthearts.org is the best place to come catch us. And we have so many great programs going on Uh, throughout this pandemic. We have really grown our online programming. So check out a show on Friday night. Check out the new National Geographic series. 
are in conversation with series is every Sunday at four. There is so much for people to enjoy and get to learn a little bit more about members of their community. So we hope that you'll come check that out in the meantime until we're ready to see you in person. All right, let's clarify it for him. It's thecenterforthearts.org. And is there a phone number? There is 274-8384. Well, we're looking forward to any kind of World Fest you can give us, Amber Joe. so thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, Felton, and thanks for having me. All right, that's Amber Joe Manuel from the Center for the Arts talking about World Fest 2021. That's our newscast for this evening, Friday, March 25th, 2021. You can hear it again on our website, kvmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you have an idea you'd like to share? Let's hear it. Head on over to our website and check out our commentary guidelines. You'll find that under the News tab. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Claudio Mendonca. I hope you have a wonderful weekend.